All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I'm giving you my reaction to the storylines from day one of the Falcons training camp, talking about some injury updates as well as some position switches. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcons.com. RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcfans. And, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is our reaction to the day one of training camp storylines for these 2021 Atlanta Falcons, this new look franchise. And we will go sort of give you an update on what little updates we got from the various players on the pup list, the physically unable to perform and sort of the timelines for how long they'll be out and how that may wind up affecting some of the position battles uh, this summer, particularly along the offensive line. Then we'll move into another tidbit where we get to see a little bit of a position switch uh, for Brandon Copeland going from inside linebacker to edge rusher and whether or not that's going to wind up having impact later on this summer, if and when the Falcons might decide to add that edge rusher that we've spent the better part of what, two months now talking about wanting the Falcons to sign. And we'll get into that. And then we'll sort of wrap up today's episode talking about the potential changes here on the locked on Falcons podcast in terms of, uh, the NFL deciding to restrict access to the all 22. So we'll sort of get into what my plans are in terms of changing the format of, uh, this podcast going into the summer, going into the season, should we not be able to review games, uh, in the future. So that will be a big topic of discussion about the future of the podcast. But before we get into any of that, I do want to let you guys know about one of our prominent national football shows here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. That is, of course, the Peacock and Williamson podcast, where NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson are giving you their insights on every team, every game, every move throughout the summer and season. Get your picks, previews, and more every weekday on the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Subscribe to it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So moving into Falcons news, we're talking about the updates on the various injured players on the physically unable to perform list, AKA the pup list. And, uh, Arthur Smith, the Falcons new head coach gave us those updates on Thursday in terms of the statuses of the three players that the Falcons added to that pup list on Wednesday in Caleb McGarry, Matt Gano and Deidre Sinat. Of course, in the usual Arthur Smith fashion, he's very ambiguous when it comes to injuries. I know some of you, you know, don't necessarily think not knowing exactly what's going on with uh, various Falcon players that are injured is um, not particularly frustrating, certainly compared to, you know, not seeing a Falcon player get a high rating on a video game that you don't even play. But uh, basically the updates we got from Arthur Smith said that Matt Gano and Deidre Sinat will not participate 
in training camp, meaning their injuries will keep them out all summer and potentially keep them out for part of the regular season. We're going to assume for the time being until we get further updates from Arthur Smith that they are going to be prime candidates to not go to go from the active pup list all summer long to the reserve pup list at the start of the regular season, which will mean they'll miss at least the first six weeks of the regular season. And then thereafter, there will be the way it works is that there's like a five plus week window uh, where players can be allowed to return to practice and or the 53-man roster. So uh, those two players' seasons uh, may be very limited at this point in time. We know in terms of Matt Gano's injury, he was wearing a neck brace when players reported to camp on Tuesday. Uh, but beyond that, we don't know anything. And we know a little bit more about Deidre Sinats in terms that we can, within 50% accuracy, guess uh, what body part is injured. Uh, according to Arthur Smith, it's an upper body injury. So, you know, somewhere above his hip, uh, he's dealing with some sort of injury. As far as Caleb McGarry goes, you know, we learn that he'll be back sooner versus later, which of course continues that ambiguity. So hopefully, you know, it's a few days that he's out of practice, but who knows at this point in time. And in the meantime, on day one of training camp, Jalen Mayfield, the Falcons rookie third round pick, got those starting reps at the right tackle position. We'll see if he continues to get the bulk of those first team reps or will the Falcons rotate newly signed Jason Spriggs uh, as he gets up to speed uh, in there in the days and or weeks before McGarry's eventual return. Obviously, every rep that Mayfield gets at right tackle is one less rep that he's going to get at the left guard position, the position that we all assumed he was drafted to fill. And certainly for me, you know, as someone who was highly skeptical of Mayfield's ability to play tackle in the NFL, that, of course, is a concern. You know, basically, if you didn't check out my scouting reports and my previous breakdowns of Mayfield back in May, you know, my initial assessment of Mayfield as a tackle prospect was that many of this, he shares many of the same weaknesses that Caleb McGarry has that has led to uh, a lot of folks being frustrated in, in some inconsistency with his play over the last two seasons. But in the case of Mayfield, all of those issues are dialed up to 11. So the concerns about the slow feet, the questionable hands, the limited athleticism, those are much bigger issues, at least as far as I saw Mayfield projecting to the NFL than they were when McGarry was projecting to the NFL. So uh, should Mayfield wind up filling in as the, you know, get an opportunity to play extensively at right tackle, you know, those are going to be the issues to keep an eye on, you know, we'll just sort of see how it goes. I know Tori McElhaney of the athletic has been talking about and writing about since June that Mayfield may have a legit shot of unseating Kayla McGarry. Uh, as far as the starting right tackle goes, I, I of course remain skeptical of that, but of course, Arthur Smith did mention that, you know, everybody is competing. So, uh, Kayla McGarry is not going to necessarily have his job handed to him, uh, upon his return, whenever that shall be. And, and obviously the more time he misses, the more opportunities that will be for players like Jalen Mayfield, Jason Spriggs, and whoever else gets in the mix at that right tackle position to wind up taking Caleb McGarry's job, you know, absence uh, does not necessarily make the heart go f grow fonder when it comes to NFL coaches in front offices. So we'll just see how all that turns out. But clearly I think it's clear to say that this Falcons offensive line 
currently looks to be a massive work in progress and we'll see how things develop and we'll continue today's lockdown Falcons podcast talking about uh, the move of Brandon Copeland to the edge rusher position and what that means for players like Michael Walker and their futures, as well as the future of the Falcons in terms of adding a pass rusher. But speaking of works in progress, get the latest on the next crop of talent entering the NBA by checking out your favorite NBA teams, daily podcast on the lockdown podcast network. Every team is covered including the Atlanta Hawks with the Locked on Hawks podcast. Get host Brad Rowland's insights into the Hawks draft hall or your favorite NBA team's daily show as well. And if you're like me and you don't necessarily have one team that you root for, you know the Locked on NBA and Locked on NBA draft podcast, uh, as well as Chad Ford, the NBA draft goat, has you covered, of course, on the Chad Ford's NBA big board podcast. Find them all on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So did you know that Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar on the market, has nine delicious flavors? Whether you're a big fan of mint brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, double chocolate, salted caramel, coconut, raspberry, orange or strawberry. You can find them all. There's something for everyone. You can try them all with a mixed box and you'll want to to get that healthy snack that tastes just like a candy bar with none of the guilt. Built Bars taste just like a candy bar because it can contain 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. But it's not just about Built Bars great taste. It's about how healthy they are. They are low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber. Again, that's a healthy snack that you can eat just like a candy bar. And you can take advantage of that by heading over to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. So the other news that uh, stood out to me from day one of training camp were, was that we found out, you know, which of the two backup inside linebackers in Brandon Copeland, and Michael Walker might be making that more semi-permanent move to the edge at outside linebacker. And I previously speculated that I thought Walker would be the likelier of the candidates simply because he gives you a little bit more value in terms of coverage. Um, but it appears at least according uh, to Tori McElhaney, uh, who said uh, they saw that she saw Brandon Copeland working with the outside linebackers, at least on day one, it, it looks like Copeland is the guy. Um, and um, as you may recall, back when the Falcons signed Copeland back in March, you know, I talked about how he was a better fit as an outside linebacker than necessarily inside linebacker. His best football in his uh, NFL career has come primarily as an outside linebacker, whether we're talking about in New York or Detroit. So I think the move works for Copeland. And I imagine, you know, the reasoning behind it, trying to get into the Falcons head uh, in this regard is, you know, wanting got someone that has a little bit more juice as a pass rusher. And I think Copeland has that over a player like Walker. And the thinking may also be that despite some of the coverage limitations that you might have with Copeland, you know, some of that could be mitigated by the presences of players like Deion Jones and Foye Oluokun on the field in terms of that can pick up the slacking coverage. And you want to get your best foot forward as a pass rusher in that role. You know, the other factor may be that the team wants to keep Michael Walker as an inside linebacker because that's where they envision his long-term potential to be given in the past. We've talked about how the chances don't seem particularly high that both starters at inside linebacker and, and Jones and Aluakun will be back next season in 2022. Jones, of course, has a massive cap hit approaching $19 million in 2022, and that's going to require him to be either restructured, extended, or potentially traded in order to get out of that contract. And of course, Lukun is a free agent after this upcoming season and thus could depart uh, in free agency. And, uh, you know, should one of those players 
depart or be traded or whatever the case may be, then you could potentially have Walker as a ready-made in-house replacement to slide into that vacating starting spot opposite whichever of those two guys winds up staying. So in theory, you know, I think uh, Walker's athleticism could give you comparable coverage value as you know, whichever of those two players in Jones and Aluakun wind up departing. Of course, you know, the main concern I have with Walker as an inside linebacker is some of the questionable instincts that could make him less effective playing inside. You know, he had limited experience playing as that off ball inside linebacker in college at Fresno state. And I thought, um, you know, wasn't anything special when he did get those opportunities, you know, as an upperclassman, you know, and then you look at how he performed last year uh, when he was sort of splitting reps as an outside linebacker and sometimes as an inside linebacker. I thought his best football came as an outside linebacker. I thought as an inside linebacker, his reads, you know, were a little questionable, a little slow. You know, his run fits were a little subpar in that role. And I felt like when he was playing more as an outside linebacker on the line of scrimmage with simplified reads, you know, playing more of that three, four outside linebacker role last year when the Falcons played in their sort of hybridized defense, you know, I thought Walker played better. Um, And this was a similar phenomenon that we had with Devontae Campbell in his time in Atlanta, where, you know, splitting time between outside linebacker and inside linebacker. And, you know, it never really improved, particularly with the reads and the run fits and whatnot over the course of his four seasons. And the hope, of course, is that, you know, with the development that Walker might get this year or whenever, you know, that will prevent him from going down that same path in the future. So, Getting back to Copeland, you know, going back to his best football prior uh, to this year, you know, was in 2018 when he played outside linebacker in the Jets 3-4 defense under current Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive coordinator Todd Bowles when he was the head coach in New York. And that season, Copeland had a career high five sacks and 38 pressures. And we've discussed the lack of edge depth and edge rush talent that the Falcons have opposite Dante Fowler. And that is only exasperated now that Fowler is dealing with, you know, COVID-19 and is out of the lineup and not practicing. And so, you know, the Falcons probably looked at a player like Copeland and looked at the body of works of players like Copeland and Jacob Tuody Mariner and Stephen Means and Ideo Gundeji and, and Michael Walker and said, look, Copeland's the only one of these guys that's proven. He's the only, the only one that's been proven to be a productive pass rusher in this league. And we might as well get him those reps uh, in the absence of a player like Barkevius Mingo, who was expected, at least by me, to be the starter opposite Dante Fowler at that outside linebacker spot. But, you know, his release um, due to some allegations against him uh, earlier this summer, you know, led left a, another vacancy at that that edge outside linebacker position. And obviously the expectation, at least after day one of training camp is that Copeland will be sort of the first man up along with probably players like means and Jacob Tuity Mariner to help fill that. Um, so obviously, you know, the concern moving forward is, you know, are the Falcons going to need more additional help, uh, to upgrade this edge rusher position or will the, um, Falcons agree with, I think, a a prevailing sentiment among many Falcon fans is that they don't really need to invest in their edge rush position because Dean Pease, their defensive coordinator, you know, can take care of it uh, and can make up the difference in scheme pressure effectively. Um, And I know, again, I think there's a lot of Falcon fans that are optimistic and hopeful that Peens will be able to pull that off. You know, I forever remain skeptical of that, not only because that's basically what Mike Nolan insisted he could do back in the day. And I know Falcon fans will be 
hesitant to agree there simply because, you know, well, Dean Pease is light years better defense coordinator Mike Nolan. And I would say, yes, I agree with you. He's better, but you know, Mike Nolan's body of work uh, prior to his arrival in Atlanta outside of the four years in San Francisco, you know, was pretty good and, and probably a lot more comparable to Dean Pease's resume slash body of work than I think a lot of fans would care to admit. And then when you couple that with Dean Pease's past success in terms of his past rushers, especially when he was the defensive coordinator of Baltimore for six years from 2012 to 2017, you know, when those teams had successful pass rushers, it was largely spearheaded by having dominant edge rushers like Terrell Suggs and Elvis Dumerville. You also notice that Baltimore continually invested in their edge rushers and adding pass rushers in consistently in every draft, you know, thanks to the quote unquote genius of, you know, one of the top general managers in NFL history and Ozzie Newsom. And so, you know, I would generally say like if Ozzie's doing stuff that's making, you know, me, if, if, if Ozzie's decision is I have DMPs, but I'm continually to invest in our uh, pass rush by adding talented players, you know, consistently on day two of, of the draft almost every single year. You know, I would tend to be skeptical that, you know, Terry Fontenot and Dean Pease without that sort of input and, and talent infusion are going to be able to manage the success without a similar sort of talent infusion. So that's not meant to be a slight on play on someone like Dean Pease. But, you know, I, I think it seems like a lot, I think a lot of Falcon fans are, are looking at Dean Pease as basically Don Martindale, um, which is, you know, a guy that's had a lot of success with not premium edge rush talent, generating pass rushes in Baltimore these last couple of seasons. Um, and I think a lot of that is in part due to Baltimore having an elite secondary. You know, they have Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey at cornerback. They've had some really good uh, safeties uh, these last couple of years, including Earl Thomas before, you know, his issues. And Eric Weddle. So it's one of those things where, look, again, I, I like the direction our Falcon secondary is headed in, but I, it doesn't feel like they're they're quite at that level. So we'll just sort of have to see how things develop uh, with this group. And, of course, you know, I'm not mentioning these things. I don't think anybody should panic. Uh, we'll just sort of see how it goes. I've sort of suspected uh, for the last several weeks that the Falcons aren't going to necessarily scramble to address whatever issues on their roster may be the case until closer to the end of August. Uh, once they've gotten a couple of preseason games under their belt so that they can better evaluate this roster. So we'll just sort of see how that develops in terms of the pass rush. But right now, obviously, I think for a lot of folks, the biggest issues entering the summer and the biggest question marks on the team were along the offensive line in terms of their pass rush. And I don't feel like so far, again, we've only got one day in the camp, but certainly the injury issues and the COVID and all these various things has not necessarily done much to inspire us with confidence that those are going to be non-issues moving forward. But again, we'll just sort of see how it goes. And I'll just sort of sit here and wait uh, as that unfolds. And unfortunately, during that waiting period, I won't be able to brush up on my film of Dean Pease's previous stints as a defensive coordinator in Baltimore in the meantime. And we'll get into why exactly that is and what sort of changes lacking access to the all 22 may prompt on this podcast into the future. Uh, but before we get there, I do want to, you know, remind you that the NBA draft was of course last night, but that's not the only thing going on in sports Friday today 
at 4 p.m. Eastern marks the Major League Baseball trade deadline. So make sure you are geared up for whatever big moves your favorite MLB team is making with their daily podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Uh, whether you're an Atlanta Braves fan or a New York Yankees fan, of course, you can check out the Lockdown Braves podcast or the Lockdown Yankees podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So you may have noticed on Thursday, myself and, and many other NFL writers on Twitter took to Twitter and, and talked about the NFL restricting access to the all 22 film on their game pass service. And, and for those of you that are uninformed about game pass, it's the NFL's game replay service in which you can watch past NFL games. I think dating all the way back to 2009 and 2010. And you generally can watch games in the three different formats, the television copy uh, that you would watch normally on television, the condensed version of that television copy, which basically removes all the sort of breaks between plays and whatnot. And you, instead of watching a game over the course of a three hour period, you get it condensed into 45 minutes or so. And then, of course, the third format being the coaches film, a.k.a. the all 22. And, you know, I know there's a version of Game Pass that exists for people that live outside the United States and maybe that has slightly different bells and whistles. But I'm just basically referring to the domestic version of uh, that um, platform. And I have been subscribed to Game Pass in its previous incarnations, previously known as Game Rewind, since 2009. And then when in 2012, uh, they gave us peasants access to the all 22 for the first time, been consistently watching it since then. So it's been nine seasons of me being able to review the all 22. And many of those years, I prided myself on being one of the handful of Falcons bloggers and writers that was watching all 22. I used to, you know, use this trick that based off of how much you disagreed or agreed with me would determine sort of how much film I believed you to watch. Cause I know most of the people that I knew watched film on a regular basis, uh, rarely had significant disagreements with me on various topics like evaluation of players. And so in my film snobbery, you know, whenever I came across someone who vehemently disagreed with me on certain subjects, you know, that were, at least in my eyes, plain as day on film, you know, that was sort of be being like, Oh, well, you know, you're one of those people that claims to watch a lot more film than you actually probably would do. But, you know, basically the situation is that game pass has been down for the last week. And as it's being rebuilt and this happens usually, you know, this time of year, as they sort of revamp things often, you know, changing things much to the chagrin of folks like myself that are subscribed to it. Um, and, you know, I figured they'd come back, reformatted some things. We'd complain about the changes. And it's like, why? If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. NFL and, and that sort of thing. But today we found out that access to the all 22 is restricted now. And that means I can't go back and watch all 22 from past year's games, as well as all 22 access won't be available until after the start of this upcoming season. And last year, you know, it was particularly frustrating at the start of last season because there was a very long delay in getting the all 22 up uh, after week one. Generally for Sunday games, it's usually up roughly, you know, a little more than 36 hours. It usually comes up Monday night or early Tuesday morning at the latest in terms of the all 22. Last year after week one, they didn't get it up till Thursday. So it was an additional like day and a half to two days uh, than normal uh, before they got it up. And even the Thursday night game, again, there's usually like a 36 to 48 hour period after Thursday night where they 
give you access to the all 22. And last year you didn't get it till late Wednesday night. Uh, again, far after that initial sort of grace period. So, you know, if you follow a lot of film folks, you probably saw a lot of them complaining today and, and canceling it. I also canceled mine and I will not be renewing it, you know, out of, you know, spite, uh, until all 22 access is restored. And obviously, you know, this is going to potentially have some significant impacts on the podcast moving forward. Not only does it mean that there's not going to be any all 22 reviews on the podcast, which normally would post on Wednesdays uh, during the season, but it also means that I won't be able to rewatch games on Monday. Um, you see my usual process, you know, for Sunday games is watching the game live on Sunday, you know, taking notes and then using those notes to post a uh, rapid reaction Sunday evening. Then I'd rewatch the game, usually the condensed version Monday morning, uh, and then record a second review, usually with a Falcons adjacent guest uh, for Monday evening. And then that would drop on Tuesday. And then on Tuesday, I'd watch the all 22 and, you know, you guys would have an opportunity to send in questions related to the film or not related to the film. And then we would do an all 22 slash Q and a episode for Wednesday before Thursday being um, our preview, our crossover episode, previewing the upcoming game. Um, and you know, those rewatches essentially won't be happening now. And since I'm not local to the state of Georgia, I won't necessarily be able to record the games off my DVR, except for in instances when they play the Panthers, since I live in North Carolina and when they play nationally, which at this current rate doesn't seem to be many games this upcoming season. So, you know, basically as it stands right now, I'll be basing a lot of those opinions off of one watch of the game, which will be live which will probably be a vastly inferior experience for you guys. It means for the preseason in the immediate future, you know, I'll have to probably rely on watching those games via online streams. Um, and, you know, the preseason finale, I believe against the Browns is going to be on national television on NBC. And then of course, NFL network generally replays, you know, re airings of all the preseason games afterwards. But, you know, there's no timetable on when those replays are going to be. Some of those might be three days after the game is played, you know, playing at three in the morning or something like that. So I'll do my best to see if I can record or, or catch those. But, um, you know, I've been told secondhand that the NFL is doing this primarily because they don't like various websites embedding and posting, you know, clips of the all 22 and sort of their written breakdowns. And this is the NFL trying to exert a little bit more control over their product. I've been told by those same people that the all 22 will return, but obviously the timetable on when that return will be is unknown. It could be week one. It could be week two. It could be week 12. Who knows at this point in time. So basically what I'm saying is as long as I do not have game pass access, you know, there's probably going to be a lot less, at least game and film related content on this podcast moving forward. Um, and longtime listeners know that that's been a big part of my brand being more of a film focused, um, and discussing honestly what I see on the field type of analysis that you get from me, not only on Twitter, but on podcasts as well in, you know, filefans.com RIP when it used to exist. And obviously, you know, they're, you know, for an indefinite amount of time, you know, that will not be the case this upcoming season. So my plan currently is to try to fill the void that normally I would have with, you know, being able to say, here's my breakdown of what I saw in the game with probably a lot more guests and interviews moving forward. And, you know, it may be the case where some of those guests are not particularly Falcons adjacent. Now, if you're a fan of, 
the or you, you were a fan of the fan talks that we did quite a bit in 2017 and 2018, but really haven't done as extensively since then. You know, there's an opportunity for us to sort of return to that and, and get your insights into the various things as a way to quote unquote fill time and, and add content to the show. Um, you know in some of these weeks and upcoming weeks. So we'll just sort of see how that plays out. But, uh, you know, from my perspective, I think this is obviously going to hurt the product of the locked on Falcons podcast for the foreseeable future. And I don't know if, and when, you know, that quality of product is going to be restored because of this. So, you know, I, I ran some numbers hoping that, you know, okay, if enough people cancel their subscription and tell the NFL, you know, I canceled because of the all 22, which I, I did, um, you know, they'll realize the error of the ways and immediately restore the all 22, you know, restore the Snyder cut sort of type of thinking. But I figured even if 10,000 people canceled their subscription with game pass being a hundred dollars a pop, you know, that would be a loss of a million dollars in revenue. But considering, considering how, much revenue the NFL generates, you know, that's, that would be a drop in the ocean uh, from their perspective, given, you know, in 2019, prior to the pandemic, you know, they generated $15 billion in uh, revenue that season. And so basically 1 million out of $15 billion is like the equivalent of $3 out of $50,000. So, you know, even if I'm underestimating that tenfold, it's still not going to be necessarily a significant enough number uh, for the NFL to backtrack on this decision. So we'll just sort of have to wait and see as far as that goes. Um, and so hopefully, you know, this will be an issue that, um, you know, only negatively affects the Lockdown Falcons podcast for, you know, a month six weeks at most or, or whatever the case may be, but we'll see. So, you know, it, you know, first it was the Madden ratings and now it's this, and, you know, I'm equally devastated that, you know, the Falcon players did not get ranked highly on the Madden game. And now, you know, this locked on Falcons podcast, you know, may wind up suffering, but you know, the more I think about it, I really do think the Madden ratings are, is a little bit more upsetting. You know, locked on Falcons is, is, you know, it's not like it's the thing I do every day or five days a week. You know, the Madden ratings, they only come around once a year and there's nothing like the disappointment of, of finding out that, you know, you know, one of your favorite Falcon players is not in the top 10 in a video game that you don't play, man, that was just a devastating. And it's, it's just the hits just keep on coming. So I will do my best to, to reel, to recharge this weekend, guys, you know, it's going to be tough to recover from, but uh, in the meantime, of course, you can provide your feedback to me. You know, you send your complaints about the Madden ratings because I know that's the biggest thing that's happened, you know, since COVID really probably even before that, but, you know, send in your feedback to me on Twitter via lockdown Falcons on Facebook via lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to lockdown Falcons at mail.com. You know, no, you know what? Don't, don't send your complaints to the Madden ratings. I don't know if I can recover from that guys. It's just, it's too soon. It's too soon. I could deal with Julio Jones getting traded, but not having a Falcon player with a 90 plus rating in Madden, man, how am I going to live? But anyway, guys, hope you have a great weekend. Hope you have a better weekend than me. Uh, try not to think about the Madden ratings. It's really going to be tough, but do your best until then guys.